Put the bullets in the gun. The bullets are in the gun. What the fuck? Where is my where's my sound? Man, he really was turned into a fossil. He ain't got no soundboard, no nothing. We were so many. We were a few good. Wait, what? And then just just gone. What? You fucking. Uh, okay. Fucking well, Zoom says that you're talking, and I don't hear you. So let's try something. Oh my god! Is this the rap rap episode where you're fucking up? All right, try speaking again. How how the turntables? Okay. Uh. All right, try again. Uh, I feel like. Yeah. So Nothing? Zoom says you're talking, but I don't hear you. Well. This is interesting. Okay. Oh no. Let me find my I cuz every single time that this happens it's my fault. So I'm assuming that it's my fault, but I don't know the fuck do I change my audio settings? Settings, settings, setting audio. Okay. It says that I'm talking into this one speaker. Uh, it says that the speaker is the same as the audio. Okay, how about try talking now? Nothing. No, I fixed it. I found, I hear you now. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right, put the bullets in the gun. Put the bullets in the fucking gun. One shot. See, every single time. I know when it, I at this point I know when it's my fault and I know when like I know when it's bad on my end and then it's bad on your end. And this time it's bad on my end because I got a wireless headset and I wanted to use it today and the fucking battery is low and I knew that this would happen, so I brought my like work headset in anyway. And I'm like, "Yep." Knew this would knew this shit would happen. So here we are. Here we are. It is Tuesday, June sixth, six six of twenty 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 three. It's not two thousand six. So yeah, yeah. Voodoo it not being two thousand six. I agree. <laughs> I don't know what happened in two thousand six. Was that, um, was that a, a decent year? Uh. I know 2006 as, you know, man, honestly, maybe nothing did happen in 2006 because I'm like, everything supposedly happened in 2007 and 2006, like, equivalency, like, nothing happened. Like, I'm sure some shit happened in Iraq, but that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't really count. Like, yeah. Uh, so, so anyway. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll I'm gonna start rolling this off today because uh, we got it's it's been a few weeks and uh, we got to get to to our politics shit talk and uh, you know this is this is a little bit old older news but uh, it's time to to announce uh, or to to make an announcement you know we want to congratulate a future 
drive-by alumni. I'm sure he will be coming up again probably two other times. Don't know if he's come up yet. If he has, it's only been once. Um, but we got a we got an announcement. We got an announcement. Uh, actually, 11 years ago, 11 years ago in 2012. Oh, I hear a sip crack. That's good. Mm-hmm. We're cracking. We're cracking. We're cracking. It's early. Uh, 2012 in April, we got an announcement, a very odd announcement uh, from a man, a man from South Carolina who is goes by the name Tim Scott. And he said in April of 2012, I am no longer a virgin. So, uh, you know, Wait, Tim what? Scott. Yeah, congratulations on the sex, Tim Scott. Um, <laughs> Wait, he, uh, he had said before, uh, apparently some number of years ago, he used to be uh, like some very, very conservative, orthodox Christian, and he did not have sex when he was 30 years old. He was a 30-year-old virgin, uh, says the what? No, the New York, the Times. Just the times from UK. Uh, Tim Scott, six days ago, we got a news story. Tim Scott, the former 30-year-old virgin running for president. (laughs) So Tim Scott used to be a virgin at the age of 30. And he was, you know, that was part of his whole shtick. Very ultra conservative. Uh, I don't know why. I feel like once you get married, like, no one will really care. But it's like, maybe this is like being extra Christian and not having sex unless you're Extreme specifically Christian. trying to have a baby. Um, and then, yeah. So then in 2012, Tim Scott, he had to make the uh, announcement that after some number of years in, in the public sector, he was no longer a virgin. So uh, Tim Scott, that's the uh, that's the gist on this guy. Used to be a fucking 30-year-old virgin, and now he's running for president. So... Uh, I want to shout out to all the 30-year-old or older virgins out there. You can do it, man. You can run for president someday. Yeah. Here's up in the house. Yeah, I mean, that's... I, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. That people... I mean, unless he was, like, trying to be a a, a priest or, or like, a, like, a Catholic priest or, like, a monk of some kind. Like, I... I didn't know there was uh, other kinds of Christians that took um, took their celibacy so seriously. Um, I also, you know, gotta wonder if maybe it was just like a cop out. If it was just like, well, but he's married, so all right, sure, I'm just gonna take that one. I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about it. I really don't. You know, your guess is as good as mine. Because apparently at some point, maybe this was during the contraceptive age, but he was trying to preach celibacy. I think he used to be governor. I'm not sure. And now he's a senator, kind of like a lot of other states. But, you know, at some point he was saying like, yeah, you got to you got to have celibacy. I think that all this this is saying is that at some point he used a condom and or he got or he had sex when he was married. I think this is more about he uh, that he used a condom. Because it wouldn't have been so like, it wouldn't have been such a news story that he wasn't still a virgin if it weren't, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I I'm on this article right now from from Slate.com. I'm gonna send it over to you. Is um five days old. 
It's called Tim Scott's Purity Culture, Why the 2024 Candidate Made His Virginity Key to His Political Persona. Um, and I'm just going to like scroll through this really quickly. He says, uh, he said in 2012, at the end of the day, the Bible is very clear. Abstinence until marriage, not to do so is a sin. Okay, did he get married in 2012? Is that what it was? Uh, I'm going to find it out. I don't know that he is married. Um, this is supposed to say if you're married or not. Seated. All the office shit that I don't care about. Scott is unmarried. Oh. Yeah. So uh, it says uh, after he was appointed to the Senate in 2012, the National Journal asked him if he was sticking to his pledge of abstinence. He says, not as well as I did then. Um, And he was 46 at the time. So he was a 30-year-old virgin back in the mid-90s, apparently. Mm -hmm. So, you know. He uh he guess I guess he just kind of broke his own rule after a little while. He was like, you know, I I tried, um, but I just he just couldn't find a wife. I guess. He just couldn't <laughs> not have sex. This man <laughs> was a was would just had to have sex. He couldn't follow his own preachings of abstinence, and he's just like, I I need sex right now. I need to not be a virgin. And at some point, we don't know. I don't think we know. I don't think he's ever said. He was not a virgin anymore, but you know, yeah, you honestly, he, he was it? honest about it. I don't, we don't know if he paid for it or not. I'd say there's like a 30% chance he paid for it, maybe like a 20% chance. Yeah, um, that is uh, that is very strange. I, I wonder even if I can believe that this is that this is true, but. Um, sure. Cause I mean, who's really going to be checking up on, on the, the history of a Senator from South Carolina that is not Lindsey Graham, you know? Yeah. I don't, I didn't know any, you know, I, you know, the problem, I know too many people from South Carolina, this bozo ass state. Like, why do I know Nikki Haley? Why do I know <laughs> Tim, this fucking guy, Tim Scott? Why do I know the fucking stupid ass Lindsey Graham? I don't want to know any of these people. Like this is, this is terrible. I, I would rather know I would rather know none of them. And uh what if I told you that Tim Scott is currently uh he's currently like third in the Iowa caucus polls. What what would your reaction be to that? My reaction would be I mean look, you got you got two main players in this race so far. You got Trump and DeSantis. Everybody else is just a who gives a fuck. You know, I saw Pence is in the race now. Who's going to vote for Mike Pence? Like, who who really wants that guy to be president? Who's going to vote for Chris Christie? Joined the race today, I think. Who's going to fucking vote for that guy? Like, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, there's there's a few other guys. There's like Vivek Ramaswamy or whatever, who's like the the billionaire long shot guy. And then there's a few other people um, that have put their names in. But like, it's just it's a whole bunch of who gives a fucks. Like, if you're not in the top two, then you're nobody. All right. If you had to guess without looking right now, what do you think is the most recent polling number between uh, between the top two? Like, give, give a give a percentage ballpark to uh, the top two. Just in Iowa or nationwide? Yeah, just Iowa. Uh, I'm gonna go 17. No, I mean like, I mean like, what's the percentage of in the Republican primary 
with the top two. Right. Do you mean like the difference between the two or? Uh, no, I mean like the percentage of each to like win the state. Um, I'm going to put. Uh, it's like probability that they'll win the state. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go Trump at uh, 68% um, and then uh, DeSantis at like 12. Um, That's pretty far off. (laughs) Uh, What if I told you it's not? Oh, really? (laughs) What if I told you it was 62 and 20? Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's That's the Emerson poll, the most credible one. There's one that's like a rank C or D, and that one I, I don't I'm looking at the numbers and that one has like DeSantis at thirty six, and I'll be honest, I don't believe that shit at all. I think that's ridiculous. I think he's a lot lower than that. Yeah. I um I I don't I don't see it, man. I I've already seen all the articles that are like, yeah, he's just not seeming very presidential. Um I I saw his whole campaign is basically about how he's gonna fight the woke mind virus. Um, which is just annoying to a lot of people. And even Trump was, you know, he he gave his little thing about how uh, he ended up saying that he doesn't like using the word woke because a lot of people use it without having any, like, meaning to it, uh, which was a very, very bold stance, Mr. Trump. And, of course, <laughs> he had, you know, articles from places like National Review that were like, oh, no, Trump, you're wrong there, buddy boyo. Um, but... I don't know. I, DeSantis, like, I don't, there's, there's not really much appeal to him. He just seems, uh, he, he seems like a, a, a typical politician kind of guy who's going all in on like one aspect for his campaign and hoping that that connects with the broader electorate. But I don't know if it will. I don't think he will at all. I think he's, I honestly think he's far worse on a broader electorate than, uh, than Trump is. I don't think yeah, especially like if if, Disney fucking creams him in court. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone really cares about that. But I think like on a on a national scale, I just don't think that like what what margin voter is like, I wouldn't vote for Trump, but I will vote for DeSantis instead of just voting for fucking Joey Brandon again. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that there's there's a lot of those. I don't either. Which means I think actually Joey Brandon four more fucking years of stupid ass Biden blast means <laughs> Biden blast <laughs> that's the only good thing the only good thing that came out of this presidency is the Biden blast memes <laughs> and there's all the there's all the different like AI videos of like Trump Obama and Biden ranking different stuff <laughs> like I like the one of them ranking the Radiohead albums or like the Nolan movies <laughs> Yeah, that's just actually funny. Like that, I, I'm all for that. I like the Biden ones because there's way there's so much. What do you call it? Like population of of the AI that you can pull from to fuck with Biden, <laughs> make him say a bunch <laughs> of dumb shit. There's so many years of it, but yeah, it's all out there. Uh, speaking of which, I think we have to talk about the Redditification, the shitification. Because we've talked about this before, and I thought about it this week. Like I was like, "Oh, this is just like Marcus was kind of saying. Like, yeah, we're shutting off we... the business customers, and now it's yeah. dead." Yeah, no, I think we're we're talking about we're. I think we're both referencing the same thing, um, which is about. Let me let me find. Um, 
a link to it. There's a bunch of subreddits that are going to be doing a like blackout protest uh, from the 12th to the 14th of this month because uh, Reddit is deciding to charge for access to their API, which they have not done before. And um, they're going to they're going to be charging a lot. Um, so <laughs> I saw this on the R cocktails subreddit, which I frequent a lot for some hashtag inspo, which you told me to never say again, but guess what, bitch? I'm saying it again. And Mark, it's the white woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, in the what's happening section here of this post, um, it says uh, third-party Reddit apps such as Apollo, Reddit is fun, and others are going to become ludicrously more expensive for its developers to run, which will in turn either kill the apps or result in a monthly fee to the users if they choose to use one of the, those apps to browse. Put simply, each request to Reddit within these mobile apps will cost the developer money. The developers of Apollo were quoted around $2 million per month for the current rate of usage. The only way for these apps to continue to be viable for the developer is if you, the user, pay a monthly fee, and realistically, this is most likely going to just outright kill them. Put simply, if you use a third-party app to browse Reddit, you will most likely no longer be able to do so or be charged a monthly fee to keep it viable. Uh, NSFW content is no longer going to be available in the API. That means that even if third-party apps continue to survive, or even if you pay a fee to use a third-party app, you will not be able to access NSFW content on it. You will only be able to access it on the official Reddit app. Additionally, some service bots, such as video downloaders or maybe Remind Me bots, will not be able to access anything NSFW. In more major cases, it may become harder for moderators of NSFW subreddits to combat serious violations such as CSAM, I don't know what that actually means, uh, due to certain mod tools being restricted from accessing NSFW content. And then, uh, you know, there's some talk about how the official Reddit app doesn't really have good support for visually impaired people. Um, so a lot of people with visual impairments rely on third-party apps to basically use the site, and they're not going to be able to do that anymore um and i mean charging for an api from from something i read is not uh not unheard of in itself um but being quoted for two million dollars i think i was reading the apollo guy um he said imger charges him like 116 dollars a month to use it to use their API or something. So mm -hmm. 2 million is fucking massive. There's, there's no way that they're really going to be able to realistically do that. And it's, you know, that, that second stage of the incitification that we talked about a few weeks ago, where they have a, a critical mass of people on Reddit and there have been, you know, I think especially in the wake of all these like sort of free speech offshoots of, you know, whatever different sites uh, that just have not, attracted like a very significant user base like reddit knows they're pretty safe that people aren't really just gonna people don't really have anywhere else so to go. many of them yeah and they all fail and so uh now they're at the point where they can take value away from the users and uh give it you know to the uh or from from the like commercial users i guess and give it to the business users or um you know the company itself and um it's not a good sign. Not a good sign for the site. 
No, I don't think there's been a good sign for the site in <laughs> probably like nine years, maybe more. True. Um, I remember, I remember some really bad. Like, I think the Ellen Powell stuff was was kind of yeah. like one of the death cruxes, like as far as usability, or probably the CEO that said that this is a free speech site. Probably him leaving was was like probably the real first beginning of the end point uh i think um i think the big i don't know about them really caring about the smaller sites the breakoff sites dying from lack of popularity i think it's more like they see that the writing is on the wall for reddit being like a millennial hub and the most new internet users are like you know the youngest or some of the youngest people that don't use reddit that they're probably going to use Twitter or they're probably going to use like, uh, what was I going to say? TikTok or other big, bigger sites that aren't Reddit. And they're just like, well, fuck it. We're kind our growth is kind of maxed. That's a really big problem. Is that like any, like any business, whether it's a tech site or whatever, once they know that their growth has reached max, then they're just like, all right, we have to leech off these people as much as we possibly can. And mm-hmm. that's the point that they've hit right now. I really think it's more of a dying site than a than a growing site, which is just what it is. But um, they're going to just chill out to advertisers now, like way harder than they've done. Like I, the only thing that I use is the most... I've gotten a lot of shit for this, but the only mobile reddit thing i use is is the mobile app in browser because i can make it look like the desktop version mm-hmm. i don't use the app i don't use i i know a lot of people love, love uh love apollo or whatever other uh mobile app is used i think people hate the official app because it sucks people it's hate garbage. the <laughs> people hate the new uh people hate the new layout i always use like old dot whatever as, as, uh, as any smart gentleman should yeah and I just use it on mobile because I'm like, what else do I need? I can read mm-hmm. everything as I'm accustomed to. And they're just going to kill. Like, I think, I mean, like, that's the thing is about all this API stuff is that I'll be fine. But most of everyone else doesn't use it the same way I do. I think they either use the, they either use some app on the app store or some other third party app. And that's just all going to be toast. Like no one, no one's going to use any third-party app after this. They're all fucked. I think they're going to kill that. They're going to absolutely kill them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to use Reddit as fun for a while. Um, I think the only reason I stopped using it is there's. Uh, I want to say there's already like less support for, um, like making new posts and like uploading like pictures or something, uh, on third-party apps than there, or at least on that one than there is on just the regular website. Um, and I also like the old account that I was using, I just kind of forgot my password to it and I used a 10 minute mail to sign up. So I couldn't get that password back. So I was like, okay, fine, we'll fuck this app. Uh, so yeah, now I do the same thing where I just use the old Reddit either on desktop or on mobile, but I mean, there's definitely more features on the third party apps. It's just, I don't, I'm not like a power user of this website. Um, so I don't, I don't need a lot of that stuff, but yeah, a lot of people, it's just kind of like, 
how they navigate, especially mod, you know, the mods, they have more tools on the third party apps and, um, not that they're doing a good job right now anyway, but it's going to get even worse. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you made a good point that really it's, it's, you know, it could be more about the fact that even if, you know, the sites hasn't necessarily like stopped growing, it's definitely growing a lot slower and they're kind of seeing, uh, the, the cliff there. And, um, you know, this is sort of like, I want to say Reddit is really the last big social media site that is not centered around like the sort of uh, influencer model where it's all about who you are and everything is about like personal branding. Like there's still a lot of, you know, usernames that don't have anything to do with who a person might actually be on reddit but i don't think that's a, a big thing in social media anymore so it's uh that's the way millennials used to use it but yeah now all the all the all the zoomers it's just not how they use the internet yeah i gotta be honest i've been browsing through this cocktail subreddit it's pretty nice i like this shit i feel Bro, like i now... see some shit Th these fuckers are using like 60 dollar bottles of liqueurs where i'm like what the fuck like how... yeah <laughs> You assholes. <laughs> the biggest thing is the glassware. I love the I love a lot of these different cups and stuff. Some of them are pretty basic. Some of them are just wine glasses, but some of these cups are really nice. Yeah, Bob's yeah, that's I, just nice. Yeah. I definitely don't have like any of these like fancy glasses really. I have uh short thick glass and uh tall thin glass. And that's kind of it. <laughs> I need to make this blue Hawaii. This shit looks delicious. I love this. I'm trying to find a post. <clears throat> oh, I just found it. Okay. I don't know if I talked about this one with you or if I was talking to my sister about this one. Um, but it's a pretty funny one. <laughs> this Colorado Gold Rush one looks really good. Oh, this fucking... <laughs> this is my last word. Yeah, that's the name of that cocktail, this last word. So the post says, sitting in a shelter during air, air raid alarm in Kiev, and this is my last word. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the, I guess it's not a liqueur, I guess it's it's a, some kind of spirit, but that's, you know, the really expensive one I was talking about is green chartreuse, which is what gives it, you know, the green color in this drink. Like, that's a, that's a pretty expensive, uh, pretty expensive bottle. The liqueur? Yeah, yeah. It's it's stronger than the liqueur. I misspoke when I said that. Um, but it's also very hard to find because it's made by like some monks somewhere, and they just oh, haven't been making as much lately. <laughs> you know, some of these are really good looking, man. Like I'm I'm yeah. I'm skeptical because the only thing I've drank every now and then is like bourbon and fucking Dr Pepper Zero Sugar or something like that. Just mixing those two. I mean, that's not. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you could do it old fashioned, though. You could do it old fashioned pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Oh man, uh, this one's so cute. The Cusito with the cat in the in the photo. Beautiful. How can you not? Look yeah. It? Yeah, dude. I actually okay. I'll I'll uh, use this to to interject with a couple of uh, amateur mixology drinks that I've made recently. Um, that turned out pretty well. 
actually. Um, one of them was basically just um, it's an Aperol Gin Sour because I bought a bottle of Aperol a little while ago. I think that's how you say it. It's like a very bright red-orange liqueur um, that's kind of like Campari if you've had that, but like sweeter. Yeah. Um, so it's like that gin um, and lemon juice basically. And that's a pretty fucking good one. Uh, it's, it's, you know, nice and earthy. It's not, not too, uh, fruity. Um, you can really taste the gin, which I like. And then a couple of days ago, I ended up, uh, I wanted to make a bee's knees, which is gin, lemon juice, and honey. And I looked in my cabinet and I was like, Oh fuck, I don't have any honey. What am I going to do? Uh, so I had some maple syrup and I ended up using that instead. And that is actually like my favorite thing I've made so far. Um, I don't know if that has an actual name because I looked it up and I couldn't find one. So I'm calling it. Uh, I'm sure people have made it before and I'm sure other people have given it names. But since it's not official yet, I'm going to call it a tree's knees. There you go. <laughs> that sounds like, I mean, maple syrup is a really good alternative if you don't have honey for yeah, that sort of it's thing. like same sure. consistency, same sweetness. It's just it just adds a little bit more flavor. Yeah, the thickness of it is what you really need. So, so what is that? That's maple syrup and what? Uh, lemon juice and gin. Okay, yeah, that definitely. Got to learn to like gin somehow. I've never had a good one. It's got mm. like a very unique flavor that. I don't know how I'm supposed to like, so I'm looking for a way to like it. Uh, try some Hendrix. Hendrix is like the good starter gin. Um, mm. I use Tangeray in these because that's just a, like my mixing gin, um, but that's like a London gin, so it's very junipery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, at some point, I'm going to try something better. I've It's just liquor prices in... Uh, in this state are not that good. <laughs> and uh, I, I've definitely tried to drink a little bit less just because of its ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, one bottle of like one. This is actually like a little bit fucking outrageous, but one bottle of Larceny is like $28. And I'm just like, this shit is not $28. This is a bit of a joke to the point where I'm almost ready to drive two hours to Nevada and buy some outrageously cheap ass liquor and import it because you can import up to a certain liter amount and just be set for a long time because I uh, mean that I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of sick of the fucking Mormons at this point. <laughs> You've been there for what? Like three months or something? I've been One here month. for two months. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says this goes for like 20 to 30 a bottle though. How much were you used to paying for it? I don't know, like $22, like six extra dollars per fucking mm. 750 milliliter. Like, what, what, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and Virginia prices are not super cheap either. They're pretty, yeah. they're they're on the high end for, for alcohol for whatever fucking reason. I don't know why they would be. There's no reason for them to be. Is it state-owned? Yeah, it is, but like... That's probably part of it. I mean, that's definitely part of it, but it's like, why? Why is... Why is it so expensive in in uh, in Virginia, but so like comparatively cheap in like all the neighboring states? I don't I don't know. This sh- it's it's terrible. So I'm I'm segueing. I'm segueing. 
into uh, the first Utah story. Um, so I've I've said before that uh, that there are some people here that are 25 years old with uh, with a three year old kid and shit. Uh-huh. So uh, I have recently been talking to a female, and uh, said female is uh, pretty nice. She's she's a uh, she's like a like a second in command manager at a big box store around and she is a uh, I'm going to I actually don't know how old she is. I, I had to guess I think she's 24, 25. I think that's I think she's 24 and uh found out when we uh we were having like a casual dinner cuz we're just we're just been oh. kind of friends. We've just been kind oh. of friends. Like I'm not really like in there, but like I could tell that I, you know, she needs like some sort of friend around and I need some sort of friend and uh, come to pass. Like she's, she's moved to this area from, from the bigger city uh, for a number of reasons. And I found out that one of those reasons and probably the reason is because she has been married and divorced <laughs> from fucking already. She is 24 years old and has been married and divorced. I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm gonna. No, say, I don't think it's a bad I, thing either. Okay, because like just you know, pretty young just, to be fucking divorced. <laughs> well, it was young to get married. That's the thing. Yeah. I think a lot of these people who get married super young, um, they're not ready for it. They don't know what they're getting in for, and that's why so many marriages in this country fail. Is because people think that you know, oh, we're young and in love, and this is gonna be great. It's like, no, you're not. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> Uh, I definitely don't. Well, the thing is, is that she was getting cheated on by her partner, which is like, yeah, kind of unfortunate. I mean, not kind of unfortunate. It is pretty unfortunate. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's terrible. You know, it's like you're 23 and your your husband is cheating on you for some mm-hmm. for some other woman. But yeah, that was that was pretty interesting because uh, I was eating a quesadilla. And I'm just like, all right, yeah, I'm just going to bite into this quesadilla. It's pretty messed up. He's like, I've been married and my spouse cheated on my ex-husband cheated on me. I'm like, all right, this quesadilla tastes pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, it was it was definitely an interesting experience. After that, I got a we got we got a bunch of ice cream, which I fucking really did not want because I've been trying to lose a lot of weight. You know, not a lot of weight, but it's like I've just been maintaining the same weight. And I'm like, I'm running every day. I'm barely eating. I'm like, I'm like lifting weights too here and there. Why am I not losing any any weight at all? And then I'm like, all right, key lime ice cream. Here we go. Load me up. <laughs> fucking, yeah. And the bullets and the gun. <laughs> so that is that is my first Utah story. I still talk to her. I mean, she's really nice. We talk a little bit here and there. She's do you a, work with her? I do not work with her. I do not work at a How'd box you meet store. Her? Uh I met her at like the like the apartment had like food trucks out at one one night and they were like, hey, come get food trucks. Food was fucking dog shit, by the way. But I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm like trying to meet someone, like, so I'm not just alone all the time. And uh just went up and talked to her. I'm like, I actually had a quesadilla that night too, which is funny. I'm a big quesadilla guy, if you can't tell yet. <laughs> I mean, honestly, name a better Mexican food than a quesadilla. Dude, I, I have, I'm a taco guy at this point. 
That's fine. Tacos are a number two. But, I mean, quesadillas are just better. I don't need all that cheese, man. The cheese is what keeps it together. You, you have the tortillas like a in a, in a pancake sandwich thing, and you have the cheese. You don't like cheese? No, I do. Like I'm cheese? saying, like, I just don't need that much of it, man. I just want, like, a little bit of sour cream on my taco. That's it. That's it. That's fine. That's fair. I mean, it's, it's the same thing at the end of the day. You have you have a tortilla, and well, in the the quesadilla, you have two tortillas and you cut it. Okay, yeah, big shit. You have meat and whatever inside, whatever else inside, two tortillas, in a sandwich form. I mean, I like tacos too. I wish I wish I could have a really good taco lately. It's one thing I gotta yeah, get man. out here still. It's fucking uh. There's there's no good tacos in Birmingham really. Um, so like when I went out to see my sister in San Francisco, I went to a different taco place like every day. And I was like, this is heaven. Yeah. I, I need these. The place that, uh, the place that we were at for Mexican food, there was, there were street tacos. What's it? What's a street taco? Street taco, I think is just, um, uh, like very simple. Like you're going to have like your meat and, um, you know, some onions and some cilantro and mm-hmm. pretty much that's it. And some salsa. I'm thinking I'm going to get some fucking good tacos tomorrow. I'm not sure where, but I've already decided that I'm going to go watch. I'm going to just go dick around and watch the fucking NBA finals and just have just have some big ass tacos somewhere at some bar. I'm like, yeah, give me some big fucking tacos. Are people out there rooting for the Nuggets because they're close by or is it like, oh, we hate them because they're close by? No, nah, man, it's too far. There is there's no like sports loyalty out here. Like it's too far from everything. Like okay. you're in a we're in a desert wasteland from you know some number of hours drive far away. Apparently, there are people that like. I think the older people are Broncos fans, like for the football. But then, like as far as uh, like there's a lot of 49ers fans too for 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 football. And then as far as like everything else, I think like people half root for Vegas teams. But there's all these reports that there's going to be like at some point in the future that there is going to be a hockey team and a baseball team for for Salt Lake City and Utah in general. So I don't I don't know. For hockey, though, I definitely think that Vegas is like number one for basketball. I think, no, they're like they're the they're the Utah Jazz fans like they can't have a yeah. have a second team and like, oh, Denver's in it. No, fuck Denver. Like we got the Jazz. <laughs> But the Jazz kind of suck balls, so well, at least right now. What's uh, what isn't is is Vegas trying to buy the A's? I feel like I read that somewhere. They are, and um, it's 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 having very weird results. Or like, apparently, Bali Bali Casino, one of the one of the casinos in Vegas, is like trying to buy, like, have a minority share, and they sent the owner a bunch of money, and then like. There needs to. The, the, it was all contingent on there being like four hundred million dollars of public funds being mm-hmm. spent uh, for a for a stadium. And at the time, it seems like there was like very high confidence that it would get done. But lately, there was very. But lately, like they're saying, it's not going to happen. I think it's going to happen because uh, there's just too much money on the line. Like they'll figure out a way to get it done because like they could be really bad businessmen, but they'll just be like, okay, well, I have a lot of money and I want to do this thing. In my opinion, I don't think I think even if like Vegas does buy him, I think 
I think I don't think anyone in Vegas is gonna care. Like the team sucks balls, and if you're gonna compete in Vegas, like you have to be good. And the hockey team is really good. They're in the championship right now, and the Oakland A's are the worst team in baseball by a very high margin. Like they are very, very bad. So I really don't think that it's going to work out like in the long run. I don't think anyone here is going to give a shit about the fucking Las Vegas A's. If that happens, like, I don't think baseball's like that. It's just, it's just what it is. They'll get a team. Yeah. Some, I think in 10 years, they're going to have probably have like a hockey and a baseball team. Well, I saw like one thing that some people were saying is that, you know, while the team is still kind of bad or still very bad, um, just because so many people are coming in and out of Vegas, like you might get a lot of people showing up for like a Yankees game or something like that. Like if you have a big market team coming in, you're going to have like, you know, a a good amount of tourists who might want to go to the game. That happens everywhere, though. Well, I mean, not everywhere. It happens in a lot of places. Like, sure, you'll have more away fans at a game in Vegas versus a game in fucking Cleveland. Yeah, sorry, Cleveland. Not sorry. Fuck Cleveland. Fuck Cleveland. (laughs) Double gunshot for that. Fucking Cleveland. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think it's significant enough, but maybe like maybe the team makes efforts to like just be average instead of bad, which would help a little bit. But I, I don't think I don't think the locals care. I think the locals are going to be hockey fans until because like the hockey team was first and then they got an NFL team and they're just like the NFL tickets are fucking way too expensive. We can't afford this shit. <laughs> and the other teams are just going to like any future teams are going to be like, you weren't here first. You didn't love us first. The fucking hockey team took a chance on us. They were here for us first. You know, it's like the it's like some girlfriend thing. I don't know. You know what you know the thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got uh I think I got one more thing to talk about before we take a break. Um I don't know if, if you saw this this eleventh episode, this epilogue to the season of succession. Did you watch it? No, what the fuck? Yeah, man. What the fuck? There's an epilogue? Yeah. What? You see this from the Mac? What app? the fuck? This is fake. Fuck you. This is fake. Yeah, this is fucking fake. Fuck you. <laughs> and the bullets in the gun. I fucking wish. And the final stand. <laughs> you motherfucker. You almost got me with this. And that photo and the name, bitch. There's no fucking way. What is this? Ken goes on a shooting spree. <laughs> with Colin Gunn. Ken turns a voice. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> an hour? It takes an hour for this motherfucker to shoot everyone? Oh man. Alright, we'll be right back. hour and one minute they i should have known an hour and one minute such a conspicuous time for there to be an epilogue also an epilogue is not 
an hour long. An epilogue is like 20 minutes. Yeah, I think they just copied the time from Tailgate Party. Um, somebody posted this on the Succession TV subreddit, and um, they, they added in episode 11, Ken's final stand, where the description is, armed with Colin's gun, Kendall returns to the Waystar Royco building to stop the Gojo sale. That shit gets me mad. That's, that's, that's too much. That shit's fucking hilarious. I, I mean, once it's like signed, and they have it on film, I mean, then you gotta you gotta kind of think about it. I mean, that shit's that shit's locked up right then. When uh, what's this dumb Roman sitting there signing it off? That's it, right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesse Anderson described. I was listening to the interview that Jesse and or Jesse Armstrong. Yeah, I was waiting to say uh, Jesse Anderson. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm messing up his name. Jesse Armstrong did an interview with NPR and. He was uh, describing Kendall as a tragic character. Would you agree that Kendall is a tragic character? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you can argue against that. It's this guy who uh, he's been, uh, you know, told that this thing was going to be his since since uh, he was seven. And he keeps trying to get it and he keeps failing. And, you know, both of his big failures are kind of because of other people, um, because of his siblings. Right. Do you think that, uh, like, in retrospect, now that we've had a lot of time, enough time to reflect, I don't think that knowing Kendall and knowing the context of his, like, mindset, I don't think that the line, I'm the eldest boy, is that cringe. I think in the moment it is really fucking gross, but knowing who he is and why he and how he's gotten the stuff, like I could see him, why he would think that. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that like misguided. Like he's just he is the eldest boy. That's how things have come to him before, and now he's powerless and like like really distraught over it. And he's like, these are why things have to be this way because I'm the eldest boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from with it. I mean, obviously, it's objectively wrong in the sense that Connor exists, but yeah, like he, uh, it, it is, you know, kind of how his life has has gone is that uh, he's at least, you know, the eldest of uh, the eldest boy of Caroline's children. So mm-hmm. Logan's kind of treated him as, you know, the number one boy. And yeah, I mean, I get him. Um, but that's exactly why uh, it, it doesn't work out for him is because he thinks he should have it just because he's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, I've got, so this week on the, on the music edition, I've, uh, I've been listening to a fair amount of music. I'm saving one album. I, I have wanted to only, I wanted to only do two albums this week. But I'm like, you know what? From the other two albums I got, this is a great time to slot in my thoughts on Liturgy's album from a number of weeks ago. So how many albums do you got? I have two. So uh, it's probably better for you to go ahead and uh, give one out here first. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to just start off with Liturgy stuff then. Uh, We have got... uh, Ah, shit. I messed up my tabs. Uh, 
Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, I got it. Shut up! Fuck off! Shut up! Shut up! Deserve this? <laughs> what the fuck? All right, fuck you. I've got liturgy's. I've got liturgy's album. Nine three six nine six. What the is fuck that a is zip that? Code? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. Someone want to tell me what that is? Nine three six nine six zip code. That Look, we're 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 in to... agreement that uh, Ravenna or what? Yeah, Ravenna. She changed her name again in the yeah, credits it's... here. It's Hyala Ravenna Hunt Hendricks. What the fuck? She's crazy, right? We're all in agreement that you know, uh, it has yeah. nothing to do with nothing to do with you know gender or sexuality or anything like that. So don't don't you fuckers try and come at me like that. Um, she's just always been crazy. How do you spell Hyala? Oh, okay. I so Liturgy's page has Ravenna Hunt Hendricks, and now this one has. Hyala Ravenna Hunt Hendricks, like not even the not even the RYM pages is updated to her name. Well, yeah, maybe it's just how she's crediting herself on this album, then, which again, she's crazy. So, uh, so I will say that I listened to this. I listened to this album. Uh, this is an eighty-two minute album, and uh, I listened to this album once or twice. Let's say like four weeks ago, something like that. Four weeks ago, um, so I listened to this album four weeks ago. I was uh, it was part of part of one shows. I think I had like six albums that 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 week. That was like a double double music week. And at that point in time, I actually listened to it once. Now that I remember, and I listened to the entire thing through, and I'm just like. I don't know what I'm getting at. I don't know what this is supposed to be. I'm not I'm not privy to what I should be looking for. And I feel like I just didn't get it. And that's why I like didn't want to review it at that point. Because I didn't get it. So I want to say that this week, like Monday and la- and like late last week, I have pretty much only listened to metal music. Actually only listened to black metal music. And just just because of like how my how my music listening has been, and after listening to some other black metal albums, um, I listened to this one. This was the I listened to this album kind of sandwiched between two other black metal albums. I listened to this actually twice all the way through today. So that took fucking two and a half hours. I'll tell you that that took a long ass time, and. This is a good album. I really like this album. I think that Liturgy is continuing to do some different stuff. And I was not, ex- I would never have expected that Liturgy put something like out, out like this. Cause this is a, this is a very, you know, this is a very heavily Christian inspired album from a lot of the, you know, Angel of Indiv- Individuation and, other like immortal life red crown angel of hierarchy those are you know all of these have a lot of christianity involved in it you know daily bread especially um but i think that the tone and the pacing 
mostly the pacing of this, you know, mixing in these higher, this higher order arrangements of whether they're like choir pieces or, you know, like the bell pieces, like some sort of bell pieces. I can't, I can't really recall what these bell pieces are. Um, but some of the bells or, or other like church, whether it's like, it's not organ stuff. Cause there's, I, I don't remember any organs on here, but I think that this was really sticks out as one of their better pieces. I think that if you put this head to head with hack from 2019, that you're going to, I think that this is, you'd be really hard pressed to pick between a better of the two albums. Personally for me, I'm putting like a strong, you know, between the artwork and the, and hack, you, you might as well just split the two discographies. Cause I don't think they're any alike at all. After the artwork, man, they just, the whole band is just like, all right, we're going to do different shit now. Bam. Artwork was finished. They did their, you know, Ravenna did their gigantic piece that they had been writing for a long time, their magnum opus. And then bam, we're going to do a bunch of different shit now. And Hack came out. Hack sounded absolutely nothing like Aesthetica or Arcwork or Renolation. And then after that, they did the one album, Origin of Alimonies, which I have not listened to. And now we have 93696 as a uh, as a piece that is very, very different. So what if you want to like give your summary from your review of, of this album, because I know you had done it before. What what were your thoughts if you want to give like two sentences on them on it? On on the new liturgy album? Mm-hmm. Bro, I haven't listened to it yet. That's just 82 minutes. Bro. That's messed up. I thought you did listen to it. No, 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 no. I've listened to Hack. That was the last one I listened to. I listened to their their EP in 2022 mm-hmm. as the blood of God burst the veins of time. Um which curiously, um uh, first song on there is called Nine Three, third song on there, six nine six. Um I remember not being too big on it. Mm-hmm. Um it just kind of seemed like there was a lot of stuff happening to happen, but um, I felt like the vision sometimes overcame the product, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So on that, I think um, in this in this album, there definitely is vision. I can feel a vision more so than uh, one of the other works that I listened to uh, this time around. And I don't, I wouldn't definitely not say that it, that the vision stood in front of the work, you know, from being some mature product. The, um, and I'll, I'll say this many times today, but uh, in terms of vocals, this, these vocals on here are just about perfect. We've, we've complained so much this year and there is more to come on vocals getting buried and vocals getting shoved into like the, the, either the second row or the third row of the, of the album mixing. But I feel like the mixing on here is just so perfect. Uh, I want to give a shout out to I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's the recording engineer. I I fucking believe it's the recording engineer. Uh, you know who it is? It's Steve Albini, <laughs> a friend of the show, <laughs> friend of the show, Steve Albini. <laughs> Steve Albini was eating a fucking McDonald's hamburger, <laughs> recording. 
Keith Albini with the surprise feature on here. I needed to fucking put that out there. But we got Steve Albini, and then there's a there's a couple other there's a number of other engineers. But uh, Seth Manchester is the mixer. Uh, big shout out to Seth Man Seth from Manchester. Uh, <laughs> Seth, Seth Manchester, Manchester by the sea, who's in currently Rhode Island. So you know, not that far off from Manchester by the sea from from the Bostonites. But uh, I gotta say that I loved. There's a number of songs on here. So I, I'll say that I went into this really, really wanting to like it or wanting something like some sort of magnum opus. I don't think that uh, that took a like a, a bias into my review because I was really sitting down ready to listen to an 82 minute album. And even then, I'm going to say Antigone 2, the second to last song, is certainly one of the best songs on here. And even through Antigone 2, I'm just like, damn, this shit is really fucking long. This is a long-ass album. Probably even the song before, Angel of Individuation. I was thinking, man, this is a really long album. And and as Antigone came, I was like, okay, this is really good. This is really good. This is still a really long-ass album. When the shit is this going to end? I got to say... As far as Antigone 2, the um, this is a this is like a quality blast beat song. You know, your, your new age black metal with a little bit of choir stuff mixed in. You know, a lot of these are a lot of these al- or songs are uh, are your typical blast beat black metal. You know what you've come to know from liturgy, even through Aesthetica, uh, with some choir stuff mixed in with uh, really good lead vocals that aren't super scratchy, super thrashy. Um, typical Hunt Hendricks vocals on here. Uh, other like little solo songs, so to speak. Uh, Angel of Emancipation. I said before that that is a song I put on this album. Angel of Emancipation is a very, very good song. Um, I really like a lot what, what was done on here. This is this is a song that seems almost genreless to me, and I think if you listen to it, you're going to be. This is this is like a subtle, but impactful song. This is this is something that could be on almost any album that comes out today, and and would feel like would feel like an impactful song. So this is the one that I put on. It's a. Uh, it was also one of the only songs that was under three minutes. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll throw this on. This is going to be something different. You know, you're going to see Liturgy and you're going to be like, okay, here we go. Prepare. And you'll be like, all right, where's the song? I'm waiting for it. And uh, you're going to feel it at some point. That's all I'm going to say. But otherwise, as far as stuff that was thrown on here, uh, definitely in Before I Knew the Truth uh, and Kaela, Saela, C-A-E-L-A, um i think that was those two songs are some of the biggest uh innovation as far as like kind of messing with what is traditional black metal you got a lot of different mixing little quote-unquote gimmicks that are thrown in with um you know with the lead guitar some of the rhythm guitar stuff whether it's chopping it up purposely or or lengthening it out um generation is a really good lead-in uh, the first five seconds on Generation are going to make you want to really listen to this whole thing. Um, 
but yeah, there is definitely a lot of fanfare uh, in this album, whether it's from Daily Bread or the Angel songs or Helgen Helgen Two Reprise. I feel like you got to listen to at least Helgen Two Reprise because that's one thing that I know you've said before. Helgen is one of their best songs of all time. You got to listen to Helgen Two and the Reprise at least, please. Um, otherwise, I feel like you're not you're not living the full liturgy experience. But I uh, I'll I'll say that this is um, before that this was a two point five after first listen, but after. I think the third listen, this is sitting in a hot 3.5. And I think that this is going to be in uh, probably the, the, the honorable mentions, if not the low spots on the list of the end of the year. But I was, I was pretty happy with this. And I think I'm going to listen to this probably like two more times, at least throughout the rest of the week, just to kind of let it sink in. I feel like you cannot listen to this more than once a day. Because then it's like a little bit cheating, but I think if you listen to it like once a day, like five days, like of the four days of the week or five days of the week, then you'll be like, I think you'll really experience what this album is supposed to put out at that point when you do that. So that's I'm giving this a three point five. Okay, pretty good score here. Um, one question that came to mind here is is a generation here which is spelled d-j-e-n-n oration um is it in any way similar to the song generation g-e-n oration on uh aesthetica yes i would say structurally it's pretty this i would say structurally it's the same uh i think yeah, I, I mean, I would say I would say yes, but it's a newer it's a newer liturgy song compared to compared to the one on Aesthetica. It is it rings a lot of similar bells, and that's one that's one like note that is that people have said before is that they have a lot of this is gonna like their their core black metal parts on here feel like a lot of Aesthetica, but a lot of their fanfare other stuff that's thrown in that feels like. A mixture of hack arc work or other or any of their other pieces so this is this is a lot of a culmination you don't really get that a lot with artists is that like you feel that this is this album is like a an everything we've done up to here sort of sort of work rather than like a this is just what we're working on most recently sort of feel i and i, I like this i prefer this a lot more and i feel like these people put out full these people put out full flushed out works rather than you know just shit that we've been working on the last three years here's some upgraded demos that we're calling songs this is a this is a crafted piece and i appreciate that from them so okay all right i only got one other uh one other comment here um I'm surprised you did not give a shout out to our guy on trombone in the credits here. Second from the bottom. Second from the bottom. Oh, expand credits. Oh, no way. That's fake. There's no way. (laughs) There's no fucking way. I don't believe that. Do you think it's real? He doesn't even have a page. It's it's not him. It's some other guy with the same name. We got Chris Ott on, on trumpet. 
Or wait, no, wait on a trombone. If you, it, yeah, yeah, no, it's a different guy. You go to this guy's website; he's a totally different guy. ChrisOttMusic.net. I didn't expand before, but we've got a we've got the uh, the lead Hunt or Hala Ravenna Hunt Hendrix on voice piano toy piano Wurlitzer Rhodes twelve string guitar marxophone and beats now i need to look, look up what a Rhodes is and what a fucking marxophone a Rhodes is just a piano it's like an i think it's usually used as an electric piano but okay yeah um, what the fuck is a marxophone that sounds oh this is a wacky ass string instrument a fretless yeah. zither played via a system of metal hammers this looks like a, a, a small, wacky-ass old guitar. Not guitar, sorry, piano. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a string piano kind of thing. Um, kind of like a hammered dulcimer, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, that's another uh, esoteric instrument that we got to go back and edit into that old episode. <laughs> hammer dulcimer this, i mean you play the the dulcimer you play manually with you have the hammers in your hand this one you don't this one the hammers are are automatic you know versus you know right. what you put down yeah so this one's so yeah okay weird. so you can't you can't fret this okay i get this i get it okay mm-hmm. yeah so anyway this is a good album i recommend listening to it i know it's really rough on the length but this is a work. This is a piece. This is a culmination. This is a fully crafted piece. And you're not going to get that very often. Not from not from a lot of other not from a lot of other bands. Uh, this has 560 comments in the uh, comment box on RWAM. The other ones I've the other albums I have coming up have 60 and 46, despite having very similar scores. So you just got to make a name for yourself out in this world, man. That's that's it. Very inspirational. Um, okay. I am going to move on then to my first album of this week, which is the album that I talked about last week. Uh, this is a band called Beach Fossils. Uh, they've been around since about 2009. Um, they've got a few albums out, but... Uh, technically their last release was in 2021. Uh, it was called The Other Side of Life, Piano Ballads, and I have not listened to that one, but it's sort of just uh, stripped-down approaches to uh, a few of their older songs. Um, but their last new full-length of original songs was in 2017 with Somersault, which um, is, in my opinion, uh, a, a very... Um, one of the most telephoned albums that I've ever listened to where I'm in love with the front. I'm in love with the back. I can completely skip the middle. Um, but it, it's, I think it's a great album. It's, you know, one of my favorites of the 2010s, I would say. I have it at a four right now, um, even though RYM is still not caught on. They have it at a 3.37, number 490 for 2017. But that is the last I'm going to talk about that album because I don't want this... Uh, this little review to be sort of a retrospective on a six-year-old album. So Bunny, the new Beach Fossils album, came out June 2nd, 2023. We got primaries of Jangle Pop, 
Dream Pop, Indie Pop. We got Secondaries, Indie Surf, Neo Psychedelia. And um, that sort of mix and match of genres is uh, not something that's entirely or even remotely original, I guess I would say. Um, it's one of those ones where you can kind of tell exactly what it's going to sound like based on that. You know, you're going to get something that's got a lot of reverb and uh, got some little neat guitar melodies and got some soft vocals and uh, is, you know, generally low to mid tempo. Uh, it's, there's no surprises here. This is maybe the most uneventful album I've listened to all year. Um, Damn. I <laughs> I was really excited for this one. Their first album in six years. Uh, I love the last one. And this was really a regression. And again, I'm, I'm not going to dwell too much on the old one. I'm not going to mention it like specifically. Uh, but everything sounds the same here. Everything sounds the same. It's 37 minutes long. It's 11 tracks. And I was bored like halfway through it. I'm like, when are they going to do something else? Uh, somebody left a comment in the box here. Uh, Loverboy Deluxe on June 3rd said, great to see that these guys are continuing to write and release the same album over and over. It's a good album after all. Um, I don't think they have released the same thing over and over, but I think this is the same song over and over. Um, it's It's just... It's so indistinct. It's so like modern landfill. Uh, it's 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 so tepid and and languid and bland. And this is like this is you're eating some pasta, and all you got on there is some butter. That's it. You don't have anything Ooh. else on there. So Ooh. so it's it's you know it's got a little bit to it. You know, but there's there's no taste. It'll 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 fill you up. You'll say, "Wow, I ate food, and I just made a motherfucking food analogy." Yeah, I did, bitch. I'll do it again. Uh, but there's nothing that you know on first listen made me want to come back and listen to this album again. It's got horrible artwork, by the way. It's terrible. It's absolutely awful. Um, it's it's an image of a a bunny of some sort um, in a horizontal frame in the middle and there's there's text above and below it that says beach fossils in this very faded pink gross font um, it, it's it's just ugly and I almost you know it's like wow it took six years because the dude just could not write another good song like I'm sorry but this is this is not good music. Um, it's it's sitting at a three point three eight right now, number two twenty five on the year. It's going to keep going down um, as people listen to this because this is just a, such a non-event, and it is you know it's never there's there's nothing on here that I would say is bad. You know, um, I was never like wow I have to skip this song or like I want to quit this album, but it's just. It's so fucking boring, man. So it, it is, you know, probably the most 2.5 of 2.5s that I've listened to this year. Just straight down the middle. Um, fucking white bread of music, you know. 
Like, white bread of music. That's it. That's all I got. I see uh first genre's jangle pop. There was no good jangle on here. There's no there's there's no memorable jangle. No. I mean there's there's nothing that's like, wow, that's a bad jangle, but there's nothing where I'm like, I need to go back and give that jangle another listen. You know, it's just mm-hmm. It's like the the bare minimum of what you would do to call something jangle pop, where there's just some some arpeggiated guitars or whatever, and um, it's not catchy, it's not emotive. There's no feeling. There's no strong moments on this album. Um, it's it's just a it's a nothing burger, man. It's there was a not burger. a single good highlight. Not a single like damn, I'm going to throw this on the playlist like of 2023. Not a single one? And no, I think if I was going to put something on here, it, it might end up being Dare Me. Um, I've listened to this album twice now, and I think that's the one that was uh, one of the singles that I, I thought was the better single. Um, but it's just because it's like the most upbeat or, or, or fastest tempo thing on here, where it's the only thing where I was like, okay, they're actually doing something right now. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. So this album compared to Somersault of the 2017, uh, this album is 0.01 higher. Granted, the rating number is a lot lower. Uh, what do you have to the pe- What do you have to say to the certainly more than zero people that rated Bunny higher than Somersault? I think they need to delete their accounts first and foremost, but you know, the only reason that score is even higher right now, and this is, this is like, you know, kind of a damning thing is that the first people who, who rate an album are the people who were looking forward to it are the people who were yeah. really like, this is something that's on my radar. This is something I want to get to in the first week. Uh, so it's going to keep dropping, man. It's definitely going to drop. I don't think it's ever going to get 2000 rate or I can't say ever, but, um, and shit, you know, it's been six years. So maybe in another six years, this will get like 2,000 ratings or whatever. But... No, fucking, <laughs> I hope not. Um, the, you know, all the, all the like real fans or whatever have already listened to this and are like, yeah, this is like very average. So I don't see it keeping the score that it has for another week. I think when we do the next show, if the charts have updated by that time, if Sharifi's got his shit together, which he barely does, uh, it's going to be below that 3.37. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is uh, that is Beach Fossils. Unfortunately, uh, this was one of your. I gotta say, like you're 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 mad Duncan on this thing. Why <laughs> is it a 2.5? Why is it not a two? Why is it not a 1.5? This shit sounds very passably boring and uninspiring and like what what why is it why does it get the average score so you know i'm i'm being a little harsh on it because um because i was looking forward to it so much mm-hmm. uh, i think that a lot of you know just disappointment is is coming out in uh in my review here but it's it's about on the same level of that um, Megumi Accorda album I reviewed that came out March seventeenth of this year. Um, I gave that a two point five, and I I feel the same um, about it. Where it's just just nothing really happened throughout the mm-hmm. whole thing, and 
I'm not I'm not gonna knock something for being you know just that kind of uneventful like that I think that's that fits into a 2.5 because I was never like wow I I need to shut this off or I need to turn this off or this is bad music you know I it never it never reached the point where I just thought it was bad it it's just in one ear out the other and I think that's you know one definition of a 2.5 for me okay that's fair um I'm going to move over to a band. This is my second of three bands. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to just throw this out there. Uh, This was a good week. This was a really, this might be the best week of the year as far as like shit that I listen to and review on here uh, because everything is a 3.5 or higher. And I don't know if this is just because it's a metal week or because I picked albums that the fucking stupid ass ROIM site decided to put on the front fucking page. As soon as I fucking listened to them, I listened to both of these albums before they were put on the front page. I don't know how to prove this. I can't prove it, but I can prove one of them. I proved one of them with the message that I sent it. The other one too. I guarantee you, I listened to this fucking before it was on the front page. And even after it's been on the front page, it still only has 411 ratings. God damn it. I'm running over the microphone cord. Fucking shit. ROM's got me fucked up. If you can't tell yet. <laughs> got me fucked up. Um, so this second album is uh is by a band called Victory Over the Sun. And Victory Over the Sun has a uh, has a very long history of uh of being a Russian futuristic opera. That was performed in like the 1910s or 1920s. I fucking had it pulled up and now I don't. Victory of the Russian Futuristic Opera in 1913 premiered at St. Petersburg. The opera was intended to underline parallels between literary text, musical scores, art of the art of painting, and a featured cast of extravagant, extravagant characters such as Nero, Caligula in the same person, Traveler Through All of the Ages, and other other such works. The audience reacted negatively and even violently to the performance, as have some critics and historians. A documentary film about the opera was made in 1980. So this is like Yodorovsky's Dune, if he did it like fucking 60 years earlier or like 70 years earlier. And this man... Um, this this man, this composer, I don't know if it's Alexei Kruch, Kruchkinev. I think it is, yeah. Alexei Kruchonik. Yeah. Um, created this uh, this opera, Victory Over the Sun, which is a uh, this is an opera where they the plot concerns of a group of protagonists who want to destroy reason. By disposing of time and capturing the sun, fucking um, based. I would love to watch this shit, man. If this <laughs> if this gets a reboot at some point, like a 110 year anniversary uh, of just wacky ass art and just media, this shit needs to be redone, re- like remade. Because like I would love to see this. Um, the libretto written in Zom language. I don't know what Zom language is. Linguistic experiments in sound symbolism and language creation 
of Russian Kubo futuristic poem. Man, this is like some wacky ass shit that was done and not like ever recorded in Western like knowledge, man. If this if this gets redone, <laughs> I will be going to see this like wherever it is in the states. Probably not soon because we don't like that country anymore. But regardless, <laughs> um, this is a victory over the sun. Uh, work the album is called "Dance You Monster to My Soft Song." Uh, this is a black metal, avant-garde metal, progressive metal album uh, that is just under 50 minutes long there are five songs on this album and um uh if you didn't notice by now uh, this band is from portland this is this this band is from portland like oregon this is a this is a hipster black metal album And uh, <laughs> and um, I'm going to be honest, after listening to I've listened to this album probably four or five times. And this album feels a lot like the windmill scene. But I'm going to say without even having to experience the next six, seven months of this year, this is going to be the best windmill scene album of the year. And uh I believe that there is so much done on here. So much like wacky shit that otherwise I like, I don't know if the windmill scene for me is like just a, a kind of a green car, green pass or a pass to just do whatever dumb shit you would otherwise never do on a traditional black metal album. Um, but this is awesome. I love the shit that's done in here. Thorn woos. The wound has some kind of, not jang- jangle jangles like tangential sort of guitars on here in the front kind of from the 10th minute on to the through the through the full song um that i really like that i really think uh felt really good combining with the black metal from the early 10 minutes which is more traditional blast beat stuff but i gotta say uh, i said that i would come back to this come back to this later a little bit earlier in the show the vocals on here are if you think vocals are buried before man this this shit is like all double buried this shit is buried like 12 feet under because the, i don't know we've said before like that that vocals have been proven to be like in the modern age buried under instrumentals from other like research done these guys are going even one step further in in just double burying this shit beyond all of the instrumentals. And I don't like it from an aspect that I'm supposed to be I think I th- I think that these that this band has understood that the vocals are not a means of conveying information in this in this sort of album. It is an instrument. Like your vocals are an instrument no no different than the guitars no different than the percussion your vocals are an instrument that are just overlaid with the general sound you're not supposed to understand any of these lyrics is what i'm really trying to say and i wouldn't if i listened to this a hundred times i probably would not get any string of five words because it is just a means of putting noise over other noise and for a lot of it it works it works really well it works really well in wheel which is a far which is by far the most traditional black metal you're going to get on this album it is 
this is like the slud this is the sludgiest it gets this these are these are some big sludgy gross liquidy guitars chunkin 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 over um you know in t in in tandem with the in tandem with the vocals that come in throughout all of this this is the screechiest you know screechiest and belchiest i don't know the the adjective but the belchiest that you can get with uh, the vocals you know belting out these loud you know incohesive words with some of these groany sludgy guitars and then the gold of having nothing the first two seconds you have some jangle tier guitars you have some jangle just shit. plucky plucking plucking the front of the guitars that lead into the same black metal vocals that you heard in the last in the last song which is just really whack um i was not expecting this but these people are doing all sorts of different things on this on this album um this i think this album you know this is like a has the structure of a of a verse chorus verse 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 sort of thing but you have this you have kind of like playing back and forth between one structure and another structure, whether with the vocals and uh, kind of the lead guitars of of strumming like one one note really constantly in the chorus with like loud screams and then playing back into a chorus with a lot lower energy. Um, I didn't really like this song a whole lot. I think this is probably one of the weaker ones uh, for the first half of it, but then the second half kind of leads into a a really good post rock with a post rock noise rock, a little bit of black metal influence uh, work for the rest of it, which I really liked. Um, Madeline becoming Judy. This song is fucking outstanding. This is an outstanding song. Does a whole lot from the first minute you have like just core black metal, you know, new black metal blast beats with some really, really good lyrics that don't feel buried and leads into a bunch of other stuff um, throughout this. The lead guitar is just outstanding in the forefront. Um, this is like, if I were to learn guitar, Madeline becoming Judy in the first three minutes is some of the stuff that I think would be like a, a milestone learning how to play this would be a would be a really core milestone um where it goes from here just kind of you know what they drop in they drop in some synth fucking this they drop in some synth rock in the middle part like about four minutes in um and carrying through the whole song uh which i never would have expected this is like a like kind of around the six minute spot leads into this like synth solo of kind of black metal intertwining with some sort of synth solo that you get like through a synth piano. Um, this shit is outstanding. I really, really like this shit. And uh, I would not have expected to hear something like this this year. This is some like Madeline becoming Judy. If you're going to, if you're going to put a gun to my head, as far as like a top 10 songs of the year, this is absolutely going to be on that list. This is a song that I think, if you like new black metal, you know, this isn't going to be a, your true cult sort of stuff. We'll get into that later. Uh, but this is this is a song that needs to be discussed and needs to be on your list. If you're going to talk about new black metal from 2010 on, uh, this has 
this has influence and I think that this is going to leave a big impact. But um, as far as everything else on this, as far as Black Herald's, uh, Black Herald kind of leans back into more, you know, the, the core style of new black metal. Uh, I won't get into that a whole lot, but this is a, you know, this is another grower. I think it took me probably three listens to, to really appreciate a lot of the stuff that was on here. You know, the first two listens, I was like, I feel like this is disjointed. I don't really know what I'm getting out of this. I don't know where, what the central message or like what the central feel, the impact is supposed to be. But after three listens, I'm like, this is pretty good. I'm, I'm digging a lot of the stuff on here and I'm giving this another 3.5. Uh, this is victory over the sun dance. You monster to my soft song. That's, I don't like that album title. It's kind of, kind of long. It's, it's a little bit of a, it's a little wordy. I was actually kind of expecting that you were going to drop a four on this. You were, you were giving it some high praise. Um, I, like what I see in the credits here, I see violin and trumpet and tenor sax and bass, bass clarinet. clarinet. That's, that's pretty fucking cool for, for your whacked out metal album. Um, could you tell that these were female vocals or or was it just, I mean, it's black metal vocals. It could be anything. I'm going to be dead honest. I'm listening to this like right before and after listening to the liturgy album so i'm not really sure where the, <laughs> the male female vocals was really supposed to be uh as far as this i don't know i probably if you're gonna like if you're gonna like really force me i probably would have thought that this would be female vocals but i think that the the line is so blurred on this genre that you you're not really ever supposed to know and that's fine i'm good with that yeah so then what what do you think stop this stops this from being a four instead of just a three point five? Um, I think what stops it is that there are it doesn't feel as a as cohesive as a work as the liturgy album does, and it doesn't feel as um. I feel like uh that this is like you know and you as you talked about in your Lacrie de Lacaire album you know that they really hit one one impact one feel one genre incredibly well this one i feel like they're doing a little bit of a lot of stuff and i think that not even as a novelty but just as a as a core album that that's fine but i don't think that that's going to hit some of the higher peaks for me it's it's awfully close to being a four but i think of my other 3.5s i would probably lean into some other works being a four before this one i think um I think Thorn Woos the Wound and Wheel are probably some of the, and even parts of Black Herald, and, and probably only parts of Thorn Woos the Wound. The only parts of those probably feel like they're a little bit weaker. The vocals being so buried uh, can be a little bit of a downer towards the beginning because I feel like those could have been a little bit more impactful. And I think that the impact that they're going for means that they should be louder. But I uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that some of those other parts with um that are that are a little bit longer when there's you know 
mostly in wheel and probably part of the first or maybe the middle third of gold of having nothing just like feels like it could be packed in a little bit harder if they packed in a lot of this album and made it closer to a 35 to 40 minute work or even like a 35 to 43 minute work then it would be probably almost a slam dunk as a four but i think that i think that they were playing with a lot of stuff and didn't flush a lot of noise not a lot of perfection but a lot of a lot of testing which is which is fine for a for you know to to do as an album but yeah that's probably why it didn't get a four for me okay that's fair that's fair uh last thing i would i would say is that you know sometimes that's at least for me that's the mark of a of an album that I'll end up really liking is when I listen to it the one time and I'm like, I just don't know how I feel about that Um, (laughs) because there's never like, if something's bad, you just kind of know it's bad. But if you don't know how you feel about it, usually it's just, you don't know how good you think it is. Mm -hmm. I think that that's definitely been the case with, uh, with Nemesta by TDK and uh, La Cree de la Cire. I've listened to the, I've listened to the La Cree de la Cire probably five times now maybe like seven and i've i don't know if i've rated it yet but i've i feel i've got a feeling on it and it's definitely going to be rated within the next week or two but i'm waiting to like solidify what my number is and i'm feeling something about it i don't i will and i'll and i'll say that i don't do that with bad albums (laughs) i don't fucking do that with bad albums like i definitely think it's a great album you listen to the bad album, you're like, wow, this shit's bad, and you move on with your life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, is this a 1.5 or a 1? Like, no. <laughs> I'm kind of trying to figure that out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll keep it I'll keep it moving here. Um, this was something that I just listened to today. It was not on my plan to listen to, but you mentioned that this was the metal week, and I was like, okay, fuck it. I haven't listened to some metal in a while. Oh, hell I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to carry on, and I'm going to, I'm going to, give a metal album listen so i'm digging through the charts and i see uh this popped up uh number eight of the year right now so not quite number seven but uh it's up there and this is uh primary of black metal we got secondary of uh atmospheric black metal we got progressive metal and we got our favorite avant-garde metal if i see something that's got some mix of black metal and avant-garde metal that's like very like, okay, 2010s, I'm into it kind of stuff. Um, this is Thantifaxith. I think that's how they how you say their name. And the album is called Hive Mind Narcosis. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's what it's what they're calling it. Uh, Thantifaxith, they're sort of an artsy Canadian black metal project. that uh, They've been around for a while now, but they haven't really put out too much music. This is their first release since 2017, so we got another another six year gap here, um, and that was just an EP. That's called "Void Masquerading as Matter," and I don't remember much about that one, but I did listen to it, and I do remember that I liked it. So that's why I kind of I saw their name and was like, "Okay, they put out a new album this year. I'll give it a shot." This is their first full length in nine years. Uh, they put out "Sacred White Noise" in 2014. And um, I don't know if 
the band members have all been like busy with other projects since then, or if they were just like, ah, yeah, let's just, let's just not do music. Um, they're all apparently anonymous. Um, that's what it said on their Wikipedia page that nobody really knows. There's three people in the band. Like, they've played live, I guess, but nobody really knows who these people are. So they have that sort of like spooky vibe going on with it too, which is, uh, that always helps your metal band. I dig people the... don't know who you are. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good move. That's a good move. Um, but you know, um, you, you hear titles like "Void Masquerading as Matter," "Sacred White Noise," uh, "Hive Mind Narcosis." Y you know, you're kind of getting. It's going to be a little. It's going to be a little, a uh, little pretentious, probably. Mm -hmm. And they don't really disappoint on that front. Um, I read their their Bandcamp page earlier, and part of their description on on this album, the second paragraph says. Uh, Previously dubbed avant-garde black metal, Thantifaxeth surpasses such mundane press tags, instead conjuring forth an expansive, discordant, and mind-altering brew that's never just black, thrash, death, or doom metal psychedelia. I'm going to go out on a comfortable limb here and say this is still avant-garde black metal. Um, it's it's still identifiably rooted in black metal and you know maybe it's it's grown some odd ends and some odds and ends on top of that but you know i don't i don't know why they they're doing their whole oh we're, we're not just an avant-garde black metal band where you can't classify us it's like calm down um but that's not a criticism i i don't think it's a bad thing for for your sound to be identifiable uh maybe they're just saying that to like hype up the album um but you know if you're if you're a weirdo black metal band, be a weirdo black metal band. So, mm -hmm. generally speaking, like a lot of the modern acclaimed black metal albums, um, this is like pretty dissonant and anti melodic stuff. Um, an example that I'd single out is "Hungry Ghosts," which is the fifth song on here. Um, that one spends you know, it's whole runtime kind of purposefully stumbling around. It, it doesn't really ever find a footing, but it kind of makes you as the listener find it. And I appreciate that. Um, but I can also kind of see how as that six minute track goes on, uh, it can get maybe a little more um, annoying than just uh, disorienting and get a little tiring and, you know, I'm I'm good with it, but I can see how other people might not be. Um, and then that song, I think, you know, I was streaming it off the Bandcamp, and it, it seemed like it ended kind of abruptly, which was sort of disappointing to me. Um, and then it ends up followed up by uh, Sub Lilith Tunnels, which is um, why is that not on the? Wait a second. It's called Blissful Self-Disassembly. Why did I have sub-Lilith Tunnels on the Bandcamp? Let me do some investigating. This is mm. real-time here. Real-time drive-by investigations. Um, not investigating drive-bys that have happened because we... Um... Yeah, no, what the fuck? This is called sub-Lilith Tunnels on their Bandcamp. But then on the ROIM page... Um, it's called Blissful Self-Disassembly. I don't know. They're the same length, so it's the same song, but somebody must have messed up transcribing or something. I don't know what went on there. 
but anyway, that song is like their big, like, whoa, look at us. We're experimental kind of song. Um, there's some like very low pitched, almost like Gregorian chant kind of backing vocals. Um, and then there's like these, these like wandering atonal high pitched keys on top of that. And there's a vocal sample of a kid talking that sounds like it could have come out of boards of Canada song. And, um, about three minutes in, then they hit you with some like industrial noise on top of that. And that's an interesting sound collage, but that's kind of about it. And that ends up being really my main complaint here. Um, I think these guys are a great weirdo black metal band, but it seems like they want to be something other than a weirdo black metal band. And uh, my favorite songs on here are the closer mind of the sun, which is almost like your kind of typical boilerplate dissonant black metal song. There's, there's not a lot of surprises on it, but it's just executed really well. Um, if you're into the style, you're going to like that song. And then surprisingly, my favorite song on here is the longest song on the album, which that might be a first for me. And I don't know how long, <laughs> um, but it's Month. the second track here. <laughs> yeah, Even years. years. <laughs> uh, it's called Surgical Utopian Love. And I remember after the first song here, Solar Witch, I was I was kind of still like, ah, I don't really know if I'm going to get into this. Uh, I, I'm not hundred percent sure what's going on here. They're, they're doing some kind of experimental thing. Sure. But it's not, you know, maybe super enjoyable. Um, this one, they just, they, they hit you with the fucking riffs on this one. It, it's the drumming is incredible. I'm, I'm tapping my toes along to the grooves here. I'm like, you know, doing my as close to head banging as I can do at my desk at work without looking like a fucking dummy. And, uh, I'm into that song, man. I'm, I just think it's a great track. It's it's a little bit, you know, one of the more conventional things on this album, but that's, you know, they do it so well that it, it is a little frustrating that, you know, they, they, they seem like they're, I don't want to say unfocused, um, but they're, they're almost, you know, so focused on trying to push the envelope that the songwriting kind of takes a backseat. And sometimes, I guess on some other albums, I don't have anything come into my mind like that can work. But uh, here, I kind of, I kind of wish they would, you know, focus a little bit more on um, on just writing good songs. But mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like I'm being really negative about this, but it's only because I think they have all the elements in place to put out a classic album. I really think they do. Uh, but this is not that. Um, this is really good. And I definitely recommend it, especially if you're, you know, getting into your sort of avant-garde black metal kick. Um, definitely add this one to the list. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a solid 3.5 here. It's, it's ambitious and it's well performed and it's never uninteresting. But like I said, it's, it's so wrapped up in defying conventions that there ends up being a lack of uh, standout moments. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, this is nine years between your full-length album. That's, I mean, as you said, that's really long. Um, their long, the long-form song, Surgical Use Hope and Love, has a nice 4.1 on the track rating uh, compared to the others. That's the second highest of all seven. Um, what you did answer, you know, what would keep this from going higher, but uh, um. 
were there any of the uh, within any of the shorter songs but let's just say kind of the last four um which of the last four songs do you think really stood out the most and and what did you end up putting on the playlist again yeah i mean i haven't added it yet but i would i would say well immediately i would say mind of the sun the last song shortest song um which is kind of funny because maybe my two favorites here are the longest and the shortest song Mm -hmm. um i think that you know again that's another one that's like more conventional but their their execution of that conventional material is is just there's nothing you know it's it's just great no flaws um but even with my like sort of complaints about hungry ghosts um i do still think it's a it's a really interesting song to listen to and i think that's their their best uh the best like sort of more avant-garde material on here where that song just never really settles into a particular rhythm uh it's always kind of got you guessing where it's going to go next maybe they'll lock into something for a few bars uh but then they'll switch it up and leave you to kind of figure out where it's going to go uh i do really like that i think it's really enjoyable so yeah either hungry ghost or mind of the sun i'm gonna add uh i'm gonna add you know fuck it i'm gonna add hungry ghost to the playlist i think that one's gonna grow on me i really think the more i listen to that one the more i'm gonna enjoy it mm-hmm. all right well that's pretty good that's uh i'm gonna put hungry ghost on my uh my casual listening listening cue for tomorrow um Need some more black metal in my life because I know I'm going to go into the office really early tomorrow and uh, do the same shit that I was doing today. And man, when I do the when I do work at the office, I don't want to talk to people. I can't listen. I can't fucking focus. Like I can't focus if I start talking to talking to other people or listening to other people's conversations. Like I ain't going to get anything done. So just throw on the headphones and you know if people think I'm antisocial, then then shit. That's what it is. That sucks, but I need to need to listen to some music because I can't listen to to the not mindless, but I mean totally medial conversations that happen all the time. Whether it's with whatever, I can't even as a even as a background chorus, I can't listen to that shit. I would much rather listen to a very average album than that. I really would. Yeah. I mean, hey, go be antisocial. We support antisocialites on this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got that one in there. Hey. And um, I feel what you're saying, though. Like, uh, I'm kind of the same way where, like, if I'm actually, like, trying to focus and, and do something, then if I'm just even, like, tangentially hearing other people's sort of, like, you know, bullshit casual conversation, it's like, just, just stop. Mm. Um one of my favorite albums when I used to be working in the lab overnight was I would put on, um, what's the fucking name of it? I it's phase two. Is it phase three? It's, um, phase three thrones and dominions by earth. Um, that used to be my shit, just some solid drone <laughs> metal and um especially track six phase three agni detonating over the thar desert which is just this ambient noise loop that goes on for like fucking 12 and a half minutes that's perfect (laughs) (laughs) yeah something like that something like that i've been listening to uh just a bunch of metal and yeah some drone metal probably would help me out a little bit too but uh on the on the topic got my last album 
got the uh, artist name Kosna Tenny, and uh, the album is called Upal. We've got genres of black metal, avant-garde metal, and Anatolian rock. And uh, what we've got from this is from other comments, other previous works, is that this person is blending like Turkish rock or Turkish metal with Czech Eastern, like middle or Eastern European music, you know, kind of blending the, whether it's folk, whether it's traditional folk or, or black metal from those areas, kind of blending it all together. So want to give a, some background to this. There is a, uh, there is an interview with this person. It is a one person band. Uh, and he, he has given an interview uh, with a machinemusic.net. And uh, on top of saying that this person is from rural Western Tennessee, the interviewer asks him, well, how do you get into making this sort of music? And the first answer this person gives is uh, about like formative bands, you know, where what were your influences? First answer, first thing he says is, so... I think for me that the formative band is Slipknot. At that point, I read that and I say, we'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) He said, Uh... I discovered Slipknot later than when most people did, but I was about 13, which implies that Slipknot is like the 10-year-old band. (laughs) I mean, where's the lie? There is no lie there, everyone. Slipknot <laughs> is the ten-year-old band. The this is rock music sort of band. Um, later in there, he says, as far as other like other works that he had uh, he had listened to, uh, but this is well, this is still about Slipknot. From that point, I really got into them. I remember buying the debut album from Walmart, of all places, loading it up into my Xbox and marking these unmarked tracks of Slipknot. Ladies and gentlemen, all you have to do to be a black metal artist, a successful one at that, is to uh, listen to Butt Rock, buy it at Walmart, load it into your Xbox like the true Tennessee man. (laughs) Uh, but some, he goes in later, he says, I remember looking for Slipknot songs on the radio and incidentally discovering Bathory, Cannibal Corpse, what and the Behemoth. Fuck? What radio station is he listening to where he's trying to find Slipknot and he ends up with fucking Bathory? Where does that happen? <laughs> some of these rural radio stations get like pretty deep into some metal, I will say. Like, you know... So- the the ones that are further out there, you will find that a lot of these radio stations in the in the super rural regions of the south, even you know, you'll have your country stations, you'll have your uh, your gospel stations, and then you have your like metal stations that you know really dig into like new Metallica, fucking Breaking Benjamin, butt metal, and other garbage. But then you'll find some like there will be one that's like slips in some actually good stuff like old metallica or you know behemoth or bathory or death or probably not death but you know some other works that's similar to death um but yeah this person says uh so they were a part of my musical genesis in a formative way it wasn't like i discovered them and then had to disregard them because 
I'm into real metal now, unquote. They were <laughs> along for the ride. So that's that's what it was, folks. It, this was a person that originally was into Slipknot, buying their albums at Walmart, and then loading them into their Xbox, eventually found some hardcore metal and some really technical metal or death metal or thrash metal or whatnot, and then uh, found some heavy stuff, some heavy psych metal, and then they were just they just came into it. Um, another some other bands that are mentioned in here are Iron Maiden and Corn. Yes, that's right. Corn. Oh this person mentions Corn in their fucking interview, which I'll be honest at this point, I'm starting to believe that rural Tennessee and rural Illinois are not that much different because most of these bands you'll find some of these like rural kids listening to as well, especially like shit like Corn and Shine Down and uh, like just bunch of other like really weird works that only people that, that are rural listen to um yeah this interview is very long i'm not going to read the whole thing but this is like where his musical genesis starts and from then on he listens to a bunch of other stuff and he kind of forms his own new sound um yeah man that this fucking interview is really long i have not read this whole thing i don't know if i will but this is really fucking long uh, the album Upal. This is a 38-minute album. Um, this is one of the best things I've heard all year. Uh, this is, to me, in my in my like perspective, this is what a uh, actually holy shit! I just refreshed the page and there's a new genre on this Turkish folk music. Everyone. Turkish folk music has made it onto the album as a as a subgenre, but this is to me like what some of the better like traditional style but newer made like the date is just newer um, album for black metal is the album art is about as traditional as I could believe without there being any drop of blood. Uh, there is no blood on this uh, album art. That is probably, you know, that's a minus 0.5 stars for that. Uh, you would expect a, you would expect a, a true cult black metal album to have blood on it or uh, some NSFW imagery. And that's what this is lacking for sure. Uh, feels like the heads to the left and the right are like Mandalorian heads with, with teeth. Uh, not sure if they got the Star Wars license license for that, but uh, I'm going to have to take this up with George Lucas himself and uh, the CEO of Disney. Uh, moving on, this is uh, one of the descriptors here is a uh, microtonal. Um, there's a lot of microtonal masturbatory on this, and uh, it actually works out really, really well. Uh, Rukujmi Empathy is a very, very good song. And that um, this is probably some of the best heavy guitar, heavy metal guitar work that I have heard with, you know, your, this is like the front line heavy metal guitar, the back line, you know, blast beat black metal drums. This is what you're looking for in black metal. This is like everything feels like it's right here. Uh, Opal is the song that I ended up putting on the... Uh, ended up putting on the playlist this is like as far as vocals this is like uh this is more of the traditional turkish folk vocals that are in the forefront um you have the turkish folk kind of lead guitar at the start of the song 
but it blends in with like the the black metal strumming of one note constantly as fast as possible uh to to kind of lead it with a rhythm but then as that rhythm is uh proceeded you know that that rhythm proceeds the um kind of the lead guitar pace of the rest of the song and uh it's just it, it kind of goes back and forth between the pacing of the black metal and then the pacing of the strumming of one rhythm guitar and man it is so freaking good um skirts of pred bohem is uh one of the probably the weakest the weakest part for me the vocals are really good on here but the the frontline guitar work with like this i don't know i don't think it's a percussion but it's like a it's like a it's some sort of what do you call it it's a technique of strumming the guitar that sounds like it's it, it's really close to like breaking glass it's 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 pulled at the highest tone of the guitar and it it feels like it's strummed with your fingertips where it kind of it uh and this is and this is like a really bad way to describe it because you could say that this is most guitar work but it's like the the it's like an impulse led with a with like a a ride out on the front end but it's the 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 impulse is really really strong where the ride out is kind of weak and doing that at the high tone of the guitar feels like it's sounds like it's breaking glass and honestly i get it's for effect i get it's for like the impulse but i just don't like it guess what i just don't <laughs> like it and uh, i for that reason it feels like it's a total pace killer on the, on this part um eventually they do get through it probably like two-thirds of the way through where it's just kind of like feels like bells clinging at that point but when it's like glass and it's kind of like a, a constant rhythm with your constant notes it's just not I, I just don't like it i just don't like it um but the rest of this uh the rest of this album the last two uh naval nest and sloons uh just outstanding guitar work outstanding black metal thrash guitar work uh followed by a really really good play out song which is kind of leaning into more your just traditional black metal with a really strong front guitar work really strong percussion work with really i mean really fast um really fast percussion on the snare with a little bit of bass but there's a little bit of horn work too in the back end that you know makes this feel like a true tur you know like a blend of the turkish and the czech music that mostly the turkish music uh but the horn work is really really good near the middle to the end on this um i feel like this is near as close to a must listen as it gets uh for for you because this is going to be a 38 minute album uh black metal with a little bit of folk you know Dits thin here and there that is going to feel like a different sort of listen for you i'm giving this a four i don't Ooh. think that the weak part on uh on skirt was weak enough that you know it would have taken me down a little bit less but there are just so many strong parts even in Ramen, uh you know through Ramen and harim Navzi, that just really this is this is a really impactful album. Um, 
I feel like that you know listening to this live would be just a freaking riot. I feel like there's a probably really good chance because this guy's actually American, and um, he's got me looking up tours. So uh, once I find something good, I'm gonna let you know. But this is something, man. Fuck Sharifi. Fuck Rym for putting this shit on the front page. I thought I was cool for a good two days, and then they ruined my internet credibility forever. Once again. <laughs> They did it. So shout out to those bozos. It's a four out of five. It's on the it's on the year end. What else do I gotta say? Well, yeah, no, I am excited for this one. Um, I am still struggling to understand how somebody from Tennessee uh, incorpor- felt uh, compelled to incorporate Turkish genres into his metal album. I don't know. Is this dude like ethnically? Um, uh, is is Turkish an ethnicity? I don't know. Or, or yeah, it's an ethnicity. Else? Okay, is this guy like ethnically Turkish or something? I, his I, name I is don't... well, his listed name is Hornet Mermation. Uh, I don't know that that's most likely not his real name, but I'm not sure that they've got his name on here. Uh, hmm. on the I'm looking at the interview now that was done back in mid May. I'm not seeing anything as far as a name. So I don't know that it, I don't know that he is ethnically Turkish, but if I could find something, I'll definitely let you know because this is a it's got me got me questioning too. Like, how does someone get involved in this? How does someone like how does someone decide this is the this is the this is the culture that I'm gonna that I'm gonna go for? This is the feel, and this is what I pick. Yeah, yeah, and they got a they got a picture of him in this in this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it looks like it could be. I mean, he's got the curly hair. Like, yeah, he's got mad curly hair, mad long hair too. Yeah, yeah. So I could see it. Okay, maybe it's just like uh, just kind of in his background. Um. Oh well, so there's actually a question in the interview. He says, um, the interviewer asks, "What's the deal with the Czech and Turkish?" I mean, I can understand given the fact that you've used at least you know in certain instances musical influences from those areas. How do you even get there? And uh, the guy says, uh, yeah, this is a question I've pretty intentionally dodged up until this point. So, you know what? <laughs> shout out to him. Shout out, shout for, out to shout him. Shout out to dodging questions. Yeah, dude. I mean, if that's your art, then, then fuck it, you know? If you don't want to answer that question, then, then don't answer that question. Okay, I respect it. Um, but I'm also looking forward to this one because I see in the credits here, um, the mastering is by a guy named Jacob Busarski who uh, is the one-man band behind uh, the black metal act Mare Cognitum, who put out my favorite album in 2016 called Luminiferous Ether. Mm. And uh, if he's involved in this, yeah, dude, I'm, uh, you know, I think he's got a good, he's got a good, uh, his, his production and mastering and all that stuff, I think it's very good. So I think I would enjoy the general sound of this album. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, also, a quick shout out to you for actually using the, um, I don't know, I, I guess these are Czech song titles um, instead of going with the English translations that are right in the parentheses next to them on RYM. I saw that like midway through my review. I was like, it's too late. I'm not going to bother. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not swapping over. I don't really, I don't really care what they are in English. I don't, I don't, I don't ingest the media that way. I don't go up and I don't look at every single one. You know, I don't look at every single foreign language song title to see like 
what it stands for. I don't go and look for lyrics that are in different languages to see what they mean. I I take them for what they are. And, you know, I am the listener. I don't know what they stand for. So that's, that's what it is. Although I will say the very last song, Sunbound to the Bleeding Earth. That's, that's a good, that's a good fucking song title. Some of the other ones like Nausea is All I Am. That's not a very good song title. (laughs) In my opinion, I don't know about that one. That sounds kind of gross. Yeah, maybe it just doesn't translate well. Um, mm-hmm. But we're we're getting this we're getting close to this two hour mark. We haven't already passed it over by a little bit. So I just want to end um, by sending you this one extra picture that uh, is proof that the conheads were always the logical choice. Wow! Because we got our guy wow. Connor Roy with a motherfucking monster in his hand. He's Team Sip. He's on it. He knows. We love him. My God, are loving it. My absolute guy, man. Look at him. He is living his best freaking life. I don't, you know, even I don't even like that monster that much. You know, the blue one, the zero carb. It's just kind of okay. It's been mm-hmm. outdone at this point. We have monster zero sugar. We have mm-hmm. the core monster flavor with zero sugar. But you know what? This guy is it. You know, if you're drinking the blue one, I'm inclined to believe that you're an OG sipper. Because no one that no one no one new to the sip game is gonna get into that one. We're done. It's over. That one's finished. That one was a relic of the bygone era of when you didn't have Monster Zero Sugar. And now here we are. We got Connor you know Roy. This 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 uh this looks like it was from when they were filming the Connor's wedding episode. So it was probably about a year or so ago. So maybe yeah, they just didn't have the zero sugar yet. I wanna believe, you know. That was his choice. I, I mean, I don't you know, even if it was a year ago or if it was like three months ago, that is still his choice. It's just the one that he is accustomed to. You know, mm-hmm. you don't get accustomed to it when zero sugar exists. You get accustomed to it because the, it's either, you know, the, you're either drinking the normal monster with a bunch of sugar or you're drinking one of the zero sugar fruity flavors or you're drinking the low carb one. And that's the one he picked. And that is the one that I know that most boomers pick because they wanted that zero sugar and maybe it didn't even exist at the point that they started drinking monster because the zero sugar one did not exist, you know, at the very start either, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it is your red one or your, that was the, that was the diet, you know, monster choice. So, I mean, he could have been in this for a very long time. We don't know, but uh, that's just the man of mystery is Mr. Connor Roy. Look at him with the sunglasses, the stoic face, the hair swooped over. He is the guy. He is the con. He is the leader of the con heads. And, and we love him. We love Connor Roy on this show. We do. We're big fans of Connor Roy. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Well, I'm very good. This is, this is a good week. I'm glad I listened to good music this week because otherwise I would have been very upset this week. <laughs> but the good music came through and I'm hoping that we get two in a row on the week for uh, for some good music next week. I will probably give my thoughts on Le Cree du La Cire next week. My full thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I that... hope you will... What? No, go ahead. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a good album so far. I'm just trying to see how good it is uh, and like what I think about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you'll give your thoughts on that, and I hope you give something else to Miss Quesadilla Girl. Hey! 